0: welcome to the show i am your host todd dallas lamb and you're listening to on the clock on the clock is a venture with the strategos podcast network where we feature an array of guests to dive into all things education we hope you enjoy welcome back to on the clock with todd dallas lamb i uh, your host happy to have our audience back today for a really interesting conversation you know about 15 months ago uh, virtual learning was somewhat controversial in the United States of America and now it is frankly the norm in almost every uh, location in our country my guest today is Diana Rayom. is that do I have the pronunciation right dr. Rayom? very good Absolutely. she is the superintendent of schools uh, up in North uh, western Washington State uh, at Quill Ute Valley School District. Do I have that right?
1: You have that. Actually very accurate.
0: I love it. I'm so excited. Now, uh, thank you for being on the show. We're really excited to have you. I I can't wait to dive in. You have a very unique school district. And we've been talking, uh, Diana, to superintendents over the last four or five months who are from what I would say traditional uh, urban to suburban school districts. And yours is uh, quite different in the fact that you're, I think, under 5,000 students. Uh, and for the last 15 years, you've been predominantly uh, a virtual school district, allowing students from across the state to access uh, academics through the computers. And, and that sounds crazy to think you've been doing it 15 years, where most of the country's only been doing it for about a year.
1: Yeah, that's accurate. We um, started our, our, our program is called Insight School of Washington. It's a choice school. And we started it in 2006 with seven students. And currently, I think we have almost 3,000 enrolled um, in our school.
0: How do, how, do you, how do those students find you? Do they find out by word of mouth? Who are those students? Give me some d- dynamics of who, who they are and what it is that they look for in you that, that allows them to want to go do your school.
1: So what we've learned um, through the process, and again, it's been a a learning process over 15 years is that our students mostly learn through word of mouth. Although our parent company, we partner with Stride, which used to be K-12 incorporated. It's now Stride. Um, They do ads on um, the television, through social media. But one of the things we've learned about our, our students is they come to us mainly through word of mouth. So they hear from other students. Um, friends in the neighborhood, friends who were in their former schools, but we get a variety of students. Um, one of our niches is that we have, we regain students who um, are credit deficient. They don't do well in brick and mortar for whatever reason. It might be a home situation. They have to work outside of school and they have to work during the day to help support their family. Um, we have some young mothers. We actually have some stars. Like uh, we at one point had a a competitive um, ping pong, um, I guess player is what you would call him. I would. Uh, Yeah. And so it varies. Um, But really, we have learned at least in Washington State up until now, we thought that about 12% of our students collectively, if you were looking at all of our students in Washington State, really only about 12% flourished in a true online environment where they never step foot in a school. The only face-to-face events that we have are at the end of the year. We do a graduation. We typically graduate about 500 students and then we do a National Honor Society induction. And then we also do a prom where students might be able to meet each other face-to-face for the first time. Everything else is done online.
0: How long have you been with the district?
1: I've been with the district for 16 years. So this actually started my first year. Um, And again, legislation had just made it possible for this type of program. I think um, leaders in the state were very skeptical as to whether or not it would work. Um, And um, so our parent company at the time, which was a different company, it was not um, K-12, Uh, We're looking for innovative districts, and we happened to be pretty innovative with technology. Even um, in the early 2000s, we were one of the first schools to get a high-tech high grant through Bill Gates Foundation. Um, We're always trying to figure it out out here because we're so far, we're so remote from the general public that um, we are trying to come up with innovative ways to make sure that our citizens have what they need.
0: I, you know, when I think of Seattle, I do think of high tech, but you're not even close to Seattle. You're four hours north of Seattle. Is that right?
1: On a good day. Yeah. Three and a half, maybe three forty-five, but more closer to four. Yeah. Depending if you go the Kingston Ferry, the Bainbridge Ferry, or you drive around. Um, Yeah, we're good four way. We're closer to outer space than the, the closest target.
0: Well, I tell you that area for the listeners who've never been, and, and we always dive into specifics to everybody's district. I'm always asking people for the best food in, in their district. That is one of the most beautiful places in the entire country. And I'm not sure that second place is even close physically than the, the Puget Sound region of, of Washington State and the waters around there and the killer whales and the eagles flying around. It is an amazingly special location.
1: Yes, it is. It's We have the mountains, we have the ocean, salmon, fishing, hiking. Wow. It is a a little bit wet. We get 12 feet of rain a year. Um, and so it quits raining usually on July 5th and starts, <laughs> <some, laughs> literally, and starts sometime around october the 1st so we get really three good months of just absolutely gorgeous weather
0: so you've been using stride as your communication academic vehicle what is it about that company that's been helpful useful and and a difference maker for your students in your district
1: so um i'll talk pre-covid and then i'll talk sure um, because we have again the two programs we had to Quickly pivot like every other school district in the United States to figure out how to deliver um, our curriculum um, f- to our brick-and-mortar students in an online platform, and I I do have to sympathize with my fellow colleagues across the United States that it's a it's a difficult task, especially if your um, constituents don't have regular internet connectivity. If you can imagine the challenge out here. Um, for trying to get rural uh, houses hooked up to the internet. It was, it was a challenge for us. But Stride, uh, K-12, has we've been a partner with them now for over 10 years. And they have helped us run our, we contract services with them to run our um, Insight School of Washington program. And part of what makes them so special is um, they helped us really, really um, with the complex system of tracking student progress because one of the things that we have to uh, show the state in order for us to get funding for students who are learning online is that they are making adequate progress and that we're making um, contact and providing instruction um, through live teaching. And so their platform is very sophisticated. Um, it's the de- I like to describe it as it's the Mercedes Benz, not the, the, the Ford model, <laughs> if you will, yeah. and um, so we can pull data out of it and really track who's doing what. For example, if your student was in our program, anytime the teacher sent your student an email, it would also go to the parent. Um, there's a tracking system, so you, the parent, has real easy ways to figure out um, what their student is or is not doing, um, and and of course, that's I think that's key with the online environment is the communication systems to make sure that parents know what is expected of their students to help support their students while they're in the home learning.
0: I should have asked this before, are you a charter school, a contract school within the district or your own independent freestanding are, institution?
1: It, inside is a public school. So it's considered one of our schools within Quileute Valley School District. So we yep. have For, Forks High School which is our brick and mortar. We have Forks Middle School, Forks Elementary School, and now we have Insight School of Washington. It's been one of our schools for 15 years. So we're held to all of the state standards. All of our teachers have to be Washington State certified, meet the credentials to teach a certain subject matter. We have to report. Uh, it's a little bit different reporting to get our funding. Um, there, It's considered an alternative learning education program, ALE. And if you look that up, on the state website, there are 25 uh, specific things we have to do differently than our brick and mortar for reporting. And again, that ensures the state that our students are actually being taught. They're not just logging in somewhere and conducting their own learning. They have a live instructor on the other end who's managing, helping deliver the instruction.
0: So walk me through, you you mentioned it earlier that you had to make some transformation your yourself. You have the Forks High School that is a brick and mortar school that, that was used to going to school and doing all the normal things that we think of when we think of schools. And then all of a sudden you're you're gonna have to move them over to virtual learning. And I'm guessing you moved them over to the same platform that you did with your your virtual students. And what were the what were the challenges, obstacles that you had to deal with there?
1: So last March when we shut down, we shut down about the time everybody else did um, sometime um, mid-March, I think. And so we went, we had become, um, Forks High School was a Google education school. And so we used Google as a platform, a learning tool um, um, to help facilitate learning. Didn't envision it as being a long-term solution for our um, pandemic. And what we learned is it's so reliant on the teacher to get their curriculum uploaded. And then there's no real reporting um, systems to see exactly what everyone's doing. The communication systems aren't there as well as just the whole security um, that we need for student safety when they're on the internet. And so we limped along um, last March to June. And then when June came, we were told um, from the state that we needed to be able to pivot back and forth that they weren't sure where the data was taking us so um and we didn't know about safety measures in the school so what we envisioned is that we were going to be shutting down or having to quarantine a school uh, a section of the so we wanted something that was very fluid where a student could learn on the platform and then if we had to shut down could go home and learn the first thing we did was to give you an idea how small forks is in the comparison to some of our other metropolitan areas we have 532 families in our system, in brick and mortar, of the 532, 267 did not have internet connectivity. So the first thing that we had to figure out was how to get internet connectivity. And literally there were some places, for example, the Ho Tribe, which is a a, a sovereign nation south of Forks, about an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. They had no way to hook up to the internet and we serve 45 students down there. Luckily, they worked with Starlink um, and were able to get a beta connection. Um, so by September 1, every student there had Internet connectivity. That was only one example of the many things we had to do. We worked with our public utility um, with some of the different. Um, uh, that took us a whole probably month and a half or two months to figure all of that out. And we got most all of our families hooked up but then the second challenge is how do you shift your curriculum um your brick and mortar curriculum teachers literally to get ready and get used to using a platform didn't have time to move all of their curriculum onto google and so the the we figured the best thing would be to to really purchase a curriculum for the year that was ready to go and that's what our fuel led through stride has allowed us to do actually learning solutions. And that is, you have a you you're a third grade teacher, you have all the third grade standards aligned um, for math and ELA, science if you're choosing and whatnot. And so the one thing we wanted to assure is that students had access to the regular standards while they're away. And we didn't know if it was gonna be intermittent for two months, for three months. We were prepar- preparing to open up our doors and on, Um, September I think the third and our goal was to make sure one get a read on our students and see if they were healthy and what their needs were their physical and emotional needs and then teach them the platform because we figured the data was increasing here we were seeing more and more of the virus well then a week before we were to open up our doors they shut us down DOH Department of Health shut us down so then we had to start remote so we spent the first month trying to uh, get everybody on the system, meaning logged in, understanding um, what you need to do. And that was not what we had had anticipated. We felt we would have been better if we could have started in person, taught them how to use the platform, and then launched them back out into remote. Right. Now, since then, um, so really what it's provided, uh, um, and we couldn't mix cohorts. We knew that there was no way we could do a, schedule at the high school a traditional one where kids went to six classes because we we were um, learning that we had six health and safety measures that we had to implement to demonstrate that our students would be safe mask wearing social distancing six foot social distancing staying in the same cohort all day then the cleaning i can't even remember them all but basically our kids were assigned to a homeroom They could six foot socially distance, wear their masks, and they learn how to use the platform. So they've been online learners in a brick and mortar. That's where we call the hybrid. Um, I've I've seen some incredible teaching. I'll describe a kindergarten room where I have one employee who has to work from home because of underlying health conditions. She's our, our health and PE teacher. And so you have a kindergarten classroom where there are 14 students in person and four who are not coming in because one of our choices by the state is a parent has the right to do online learning at home. So four of the families decided they wanna keep their kindergartners at home. So the teacher pulls up the screen, the 14 students pull up their Chromebooks, they know how to log in, kindergartners know how to log in. The four come that are at home are on the screen and then it's PE time. So the PE health teacher comes on the screen. Wow. It was incredible. Yep. In- incredible.
0: So let me ask you, you, I think what a lot of districts did that did not have online curriculum sort of established was you basically set up Zoom. I, I know this from personal experience, and you, you tried to adapt what you had curriculum-wise to a zoom world i will share my screen and i will show you what uh, you would normally be looking at in a classroom walk me and my and our listeners through the difference between that and then actually having something that's curriculum-based that can be shared? Wh- wh- what is the difference? Because you know, as you know, we, we share this not only with superintendents uh, who may or may not have a sophisticated understanding of, of those two dynamics, but also parents who uh, we share with a lot of parents who definitely probably haven't thought through what the, the difference is. What Walk me through the difference.
1: Um, I'll try to give you, let's say that you are a eighth grade science teacher and in the state of Washington, um, you do a little bit of earth science, you're, you're really um, introducing a lot of the, the different science areas, earth science, maybe space. Um, so the curriculum is there on the platform, meaning the teacher has access to any lessons that he or she um, you could chronologically say, I'm gonna let um, uh, I'm gonna plan a week at a time, but I get to choose the lessons that are aligned to the standards based on Washington State in our curriculum, the, the actual fuel that we're using. Whereas if we didn't, if we were just using zoom or we were using Google, which you'd use Google hangouts then, um, then I would have to figure out how to upload all of my lessons where they're, they're accessible, ready to go. It's just a click of a, I'm going to do these five lessons this week and turn these kids. Yeah. And then um, there's a there's a uh, of course like a Zoom uh, it, any of the component the bells and whistles that you would utilize. So we have what are called class connects. Um, the The real work on our end is to d- still set up a schedule. I mean, you still need a schedule for students, especially in a high school or middle school setting, because if you're going to do a class connect with geometry, I can't be in my science class. And so you've got to heavily coordinate those and then um, also coordinate anytime you're going to do one-on-one intervention or what we call office hours. Um, And so we, we went, but we opened up before any other school um, in our region and stayed open the entire time. from October the 5th when we opened. We even stayed open during some, what I would consider when the data was climbing, but our health and safety measures were so well solidified and um, operated amongst the staff and students, the mask wearing, the social distancing. The one time we had um, one employee and a student show up, they were positive. Uh, They did contact tracing and said, your health and safety measures are so good you don't have to quarantine anyone. So we have not had any spread at all since October the 5th.
0: I, You mentioned that you have, uh, uh, you mentioned at least one tribe, Native American tribe that's in your school district. I'm guessing maybe that you have m- perhaps more than one, but it, it's a fascinating subject to me. I grew up uh, not too far south of you in, in Redding, California. Uh, My mother was a teacher for 42 years in Buckeye, California, and the Wintu tribe was uh, the predominant uh, Native American tribe at that school. Uh, I I vividly remember uh, Indian classes for the the kids who... who grew up in that tribe and were educated about their history? Uh, walk me through some of the special challenges and 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 really cool things. I'm guessing that you see that most superintendents around the country may not see uh, having a, a population of Native Americans.
1: Um, just the rich tradition and history they bring to our um, school. Again, we have the Ho Indian, Ho River Indian Tribe, and then the Quileute Tribe. Um, the Quileute is large enough where they have their own Quileute. Um, tribal school, but um, some of their students um, um, choose to come to Forks High School uh, of course because of extracurricular activities. Um, But our connection with both communities, especially since I've been here for 15 years, is very strong. Um, One of the uh, unique things about Washington State is that we do recognize uh, tribal sovereignty and um, I think Back in 2015, it may have been earlier, there was legislation that said we needed to teach tribal sovereignty nations. And um, we've done it since time immemorial. We've really done a good job of bringing in guest speakers and teaching some of the tribal um, culture um, and and local history. Uh, we've woven it throughout our k-12 program so that's one really unique thing one other interesting fact about forks is that we have a um, pretty robust hispanic population Um, and so really when you're looking at our demographics people think of forks and they think of logging back in the heyday they think of it as a white man's working class um, community and we're really very very diverse Um, and it's it's fun to watch our kids. Um, my dad, who is um, my parents, are both raised in Kansas. I was I'm a native Kansan and they were here for our son's graduation. And my dad just uh, said it, it. I didn't realize how diverse uh, this opportunity is for my grandkid. How cool um, to see a, a group of kids so diverse.
0: That's great. My you know my grandfather was a logger. In, and my grandmother was a 16-year-old wife of a logger in, in your state, uh, and she was a cook in a logging camp. Um, so, I, I, I come to it with some personal experience. So, um, you, you talked about uniqueness. Um, finally, uh, in a few days, I'm going to be Speaking with a superintendent from Eanes, Texas. And uh, we're going to talk education as we always do on this podcast, but we're also going to talk about his passion, which is jazz music. He has a jazz bar in Austin, Texas. Like, how cool is that? You have an organic farm. That, uh, you're a farmer, you're a superintendent and a farmer. I don't, there can't be more than 12 of those in the world. That is cool. Tell me about your farm.
1: If you find another one, let me know. First of all,
0: <laughs> I'm sure
1: But second of all, this just kind of ties me into your mom being a cook at a, a logging camp. Our property is located between Lake Crescent and Forks. So it's about 20 minutes, uh, north of Forks, 25 minutes. And it used to be a Blowdell Donovan logging camp. And hmm. so, uh, the, a railroad, um, track went right through our property and we find old, um, artifacts like bottles mostly whiskey bottles and all <laughs> kinds of things still on our property today uh from the blowdell uh logging camp when it was in the 20s and then one of the first teachers in Forks one of the uh one room schoolhouses uh Mrs. Cooper um bought the she and her husband bought the ranch um after the logging camp and then my in-laws bought it in the 50s and mostly had cattle, open range cattle um, on the place, and um, somehow my husband and son um, kind of reined me into we turned this into an organic vegetable farm, and I I wouldn't say it is my passion, although it kind it, it has become my passion. I'm um, I believe in in educating the whole child, but I also believe that when children come to school and they're they're undernourished or their basic needs aren't met. It's really difficult. I've been in this business a long time. It's really difficult to educate and get them focused on learning if they're hungry or they're upset or something's not right in their lives. And so um, it's our passion, our farm's passion to get fresh vegetables to forks. We're considered a food desert um, out here. And again, part of that is because we're um, isolated. And um, so it's an interesting very quick season because again we're dealing with uh, the biggest obstacle of 12 feet of rain a year hmm. and um, so um, our season what we're, we're about 800 feet up and where forks will be socked in with um, with fog and what-have-you from the ocean we're up in the Sun Belt um, so we get really intense Sun between June and September and so Uh, We figured out how to do it. We've done it now for 10 years. I say every year we're giving it up. Um, But we produce for the local uh, grocery store and um, a farm stand, Sarge's Farm Stand, which um, serves vets. It's a a housing uh, farm stand for vets, it supports vets. And um, then we also provide for a lot of canners, um, homesteaders who still like to can.
0: I, I mean, I've long thought that the food that we serve in American schools uh, l- leaves something to be desired from a nutritional aspect. i uh, be fascinated to know your thoughts on, on what you've been able to do to improve that in your own school district. And you think about what we serve. I mean, witches were a main thing when I was growing up. The food was not great. And if you look at the current, you know, we get back to talking about the COVID virus, you know, the number one indicator of people who suffer from the disease is is obesity. Uh, I I wonder if that's worthy of a a real conversation in this country about how we should be feeding our kids uh, as an organic farmer. I I would imagine, I I would think you think we we could improve on that.
1: Uh, Most certainly. And so there is conflict of interest. We can't do the farm to school here Yep. within my district. However, I will tell you that uh, with COVID, we have done a lot more business with the food banks. Um, We provide food and and actually have grants that pay us to give food to the Forks Food Bank, Quillute Pantry, and then Port Angeles is a little bit bigger in Squim, and we've done a lot more business this year. In fact, we're thinking about getting out of the business and then again, for the need for, my passion is really making sure that kids who need it, families who need fresh vegetables have it. Um, And we have seen an uptick in the need for uh, food in our pantries. And of course, as a school district, we've fed, when we, we haven't stopped feeding our children um, throughout the summer. We usually do just a summer school run, but we went ahead and continue to, to provide breakfast and lunch to all of our students all the way through the summer. Um, my goal would to someday when I retire, make sure that our school district is set up so that they can serve better um, or serve fresh local vegetables. Um, one of the other school districts does it. It does take a lot more manpower. Um, to pull that off
0: i'm sure well diane Raume, thank you so much for being on the clock i can tell you now that you are effectively off the clock how could our listeners uh reach you on social media or through email if they wanted to reach out
1: if they wanted to reach out they can reach out at diana d-i-a-n-a dot Rayom, at qVschools.org. Or I'm also on Facebook, and they could reach me through Rayom Organic Farms on
0: Facebook. Terrific. Diana is the superintendent for Quill Ute Valley School District in upstate Washington. I am really very happy you've been on the show. Great conversation, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to learn more about the show, please visit www.strategosgroup.com. Please consider subscribing on your podcast streaming platform so you don't miss out on our next episode. And until next time, I'm Todd Dallas Lamb signing off.